Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hello, everybody. Thanks again, everybody, for checking in Pure Victory Podcast. Hope you're doing well. And we're excited again this week to check in with an amazing guest and just to chat about something that's really near and dear to us as well, but everybody that we deal with in life and ministry as well. I mean, at Family Life Conferences, I was telling uh, Kristen this and, and Matt as well, so we're going to intro her, so if you're wondering who that is, but um, every weekend getaway for Family Life, we have resources, and her resources are one of the most used and one of the ones that are really helping parents and helping people just have a better understanding uh, of how to talk to the kids about porn and have a better understanding about porn as parents um, and to just lead their kids in this. So thanks so much, Kristen, for being with us. And to intro you, Kristen Jensen is a best-selling author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, an amazing book for kids, for parents um, to understand this. Um, and she's an author of so many other great resources, a speaker as well. But we were talking with her. The one that she was really proud of, being a wife, being a mother, and a grandma. And so we think that's great. And so thanks, Kristen, for being here with us. And one other thing is she's also the founder of Defend Young Minds, which is her website and has all the resources on there. So thanks, Kristen, for being here with us. And thank you so much. I'm happy to be with you today. We are too. There's a a few years ago, my um, nephews, they they were just coming up. There's four of them. They're all brothers and they were just coming up on 10. And my wife was... 
talking to her sister, who's the mom of these boys, and she's saying, you got to talk to them about porn. And they're like, aren't they too young? And and uh, and so we got good pictures, bad pictures, and we gave them this book. And so we kind of walked through it with them, with the parents first. And and uh, and she was excited. The mom was excited because it's uh, like so many parents are like, how do you talk to your kids? And so they walked through it. And within a month, their nine-year-old saw porn for the first time on the mm-hmm. bus. And it was amazing because he knew exactly what to do. They had read the book. They're like, if you see porn at school, come and talk to me. Come tell me. We're not going to be mad at you. And he knew exactly what to do. And we just think, man, a month before he saw it, they read good pictures, bad pictures. And so that opened up a conversation that's still going in their home, Kristen. And so it's amazing the impact that you're having that you don't even know. But the Lord is working through that. And so maybe you can talk to that. Why? What what motivated you? And we could probably assume, but maybe to personalize your story, but what motivated you to start writing books for kids on porn? Well, Matt, thank you. And I love to hear those stories. They, they keep me going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never planned. You might be surprised. I never planned to write a book about porn for kids. I um, uh, stumbled into it after my kids were kind of launched and I we had moved to a new area and I met a woman who was a mom of a large family And one night she called me and confided in me that her oldest son, who was 17 at the time, they had found that he was molesting his younger brothers and sisters of this large family. And, you know, from the 14-year-old all the way down to the four-year-old were involved. And porn was also involved. And we know that porn fuels child-on-child harmful sexual behavior as it did in these cases and in many, many others, it's like a silent epidemic because nobody wants to talk about it, but I talk about it because I hear stories, see the problems. Um, so that got me started the next morning I woke up and I thought I need to find a resource, a book to help this poor mother talk with her younger children about pornography And it's funny, you'd think I would want a book about like body safety, but no, the thought came to me um, to warn children about pornography and all of the negative impacts it can have and the harms that it can do to children. So I looked uh, because I have never had an original idea in my entire life. You know, you know how that goes where like you think, oh, this would be such a great invention. And then you go online and 30 people have already done it. So um Anyway, I went online and I could not see any books for kids mm. that talked that taught them to reject pornography and stay away from it and why. So that's when I got started writing. I had this crazy idea that I could write this book in a few weeks, like during the summer. <laughs> it took three years. Uh. Um, but uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior, which is for three to six-year-olds, um, our books definition of pornography, give a warning about why it's harmful, and then teach kids a plan for what to do. So every kid needs a definition so they can recognize it uh, like your nephew did, right? Uh, A warning so they know why they should turn away and a plan so they know exactly how to respond when they see it, when they, you know, encounter it. And you mentioned the school bus. You know, I say every school bus is a you know triple X theater because so many kids have these devices and they share. Mm. 
So mm-hmm. um, anyway, that's what good pictures, bad pictures helps parents do. It's a very comfortable way to just start those conversations, continue those conversations. And uh, in the book for the kids that are like seven to 11, that book, my original book, we've added in the second edition, we added um, discussion questions. So Mm. that also expands. That's so great. I think giving language to parents about this, uh, some understanding a pathway is really important because I remember my, my dad talked about this since, but when I was growing up, I think I was like 12. My dad decided all of a sudden you drive me to hockey practice. That was the best time to talk about masturbation and sex and all these other things. Right. And it was really awkward. And I felt that awkwardness because my dad didn't know how to really discuss this. I think he heard somewhere that he needed to. And so he's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Didn't have language, didn't know how to do it. Felt awkward. I felt that awkwardness. That was my experience. And I think for parents, that's a very real thing, especially when it comes to porn, sex, how do we talk about this? How do we even bring this up? Where do we even begin in this conversation with their kids? So maybe speak to that, because I'm sure you've learned a lot through writing this and talking to parents. How do you even start having this conversation? Well, I think you need, first of all, you need to realize it, it needs to start early and it can't just be a one and done. It needs to be a continual conversation because, you know, pornography is a continual threat. It doesn't just go away. Uh, so, but how do you begin? Well, we have a quick start guide on defendyoungminds.com that's free. You can download it. We give you a lot of facts and, and tips and kind of to get you set up because the first thing you need to do is to educate yourself a little bit, right? Educate yourself, but you don't have to read tons and tons and tons. It just, you know, a quick start guide will get you going. And then, you know, begin these conversations hopefully in a natural way. Obviously the book is kind of a natural way because you can just open the book and start reading um, and that gets you going. But if even if you don't use the book, you can set up situations where you might see something on, you know, a billboard or a magazine um, or, you know, a picture that you know is sexualized. And, um, you know, a lot of people want to, we try to define pornography, but a lot of it has to do with how it makes a person feel. And so if, you know, a woman in sexy lingerie makes you feel aroused, well, that's pornography for you because that's the design of pornography is to arouse a person. And even young children can unfortunately be aroused. We think, oh, that's not going to happen until after puberty or Mm -hmm. well into puberty. No, I've heard of five-year-olds that feel, have a physical reaction to seeing sexualized images. So starting, and the other thing is this, just start, Mm, just start. Even if you're kind of fumbling around, whatever, start. The thing is they need some kind of definition because I've heard of so many kids that were like, they've been watching pornography. They didn't even know it was called pornography and they'd heard warnings about pornography or don't watch pornography. Well, they didn't even know what it was. So they didn't put, you know, they didn't link the two. And um, we need to not assume that our children know these things. We have to define our terms. And so that's, really that's good. how I started in the book is defining, you know, what pornography is. Yeah, that's really good. 
There's so many justifications even that adults use. Like, well, I'm not watching porn anymore. I'm just watching anime, cartoon, <laughs> right, cartoon right. characters. But it's still arousing it's them, right? Yeah. 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 It's not real. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Right. And so even adults use that. But but kids really, I mean, there's so many things out there. And defining it is is huge. I, I really like that you start there. And, um, and a lot of parents, though, uh, uh, to be honest, even youth pastors or parents of youth will say this, that if we talk to our kids about about this stuff, it'll make them more curious. But especially when you're younger and their minds are so innocent. I have two boys that are one and three right now, and they're so innocent. They're so pure. We just love it. And so I, we can understand that where parents are like, but they're innocent. We don't want to put this in their, in their mind and make them curious. And so when, when parents bring that up to you, as I'm sure they have a lot, how do you respond in giving them um, advice to be to make them comfortable to talk about this uh, confidently without necessarily thinking that they're going to drive their kids to view this stuff? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, mothers especially have a huge ability to be feel guilt for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk to them about porn, then they're going to get curious, then they're going to become a porn addict, then, uh, you know, it's yeah. all my fault. Yeah. No, this is the thing. There's plan A, there's plan B. Plan A, you know, there's 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 the cross your fingers and hope they don't come across porn until after you talk to them. Um, or there's the proactive. I'm going to get in front of this, be proactive so that my kid isn't caught off guard because none of us do very well uh, when we're caught off guard and we don't have a plan. We don't know what's coming right? And kids are doubly harmed by this. So their natural curiosity, um, I think it's, they're more at risk if we don't talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, They are more at risk. And I really feel like parents have a duty to talk to their kids early about all the threats that they may encounter. Um, That's what a parent's job is, right? Prepare that child to launch and prepare them for all the things that they're going to encounter. So we've been doing our society and parents have already been testing out the cross your fingers plan Mm -hmm. for a very long time. And guess what? It's not working. That's right. So we need to do something better, right? And it's not that hard. It's not rocket science, maybe a little brain science, but it, you know, it's doable and we can do it, and we should do it because no child deserves to face the porn industry alone. No, yeah, they yeah. they just will not have the armor and the understanding to um, to know what's happening to them and to know why they should, you know, not follow their curiosity. Yeah. So let's let's be proactive. Um, let's. Whether, again, whether you use good pictures, bad pictures, or your own information and and whatever you do, um, make sure your kids understand what pornography is, why it's harmful, and what to do when they see it. And obviously, we've we've done it in age-appropriate ways in the book. Make sure it's age-appropriate. This is the other point. I'll just make this one more point, and that is, as adults, we may know how bad porn is. Now, some don't, but... Some do, and the darkness, the violence, the, you know, the degradation. We're not pouring that in the child's brain when we simply define pornography, you know, um, in an age-appropriate way. We're just giving the kids a heads up so that they can recognize it and come and tell you, uh, you know, when they've seen it. 
I love what you're saying, Kristen, the, the aspect of proactivity um, as a parent, having that mindset instead of reactionary. Because I think, yeah, that's absolutely where we've kind of camped out. And, you know, a child sees porn and either they get caught or maybe they do bring it up to mom and dad. Um, and then that's when the conversation comes and it's too late, right? Like it's a little bit too late there because it's harder to handle that. Or is it, I mean, there's times it does happen, right? But the proactive yeah. aspect um, gets it's ahead better. of that. So, right. It, it, yeah. it, it prepares for that. Um, sorry, you were going to say something. Yeah. I was going to say, and it increases the trust of yeah. that child because you're trusting this child. They love to be trusted with this. You know, I did not see this coming, but kids love this book. Uh, these books, I just like did not, I knew parents would appreciate them, grandparents, but um, kids love to feel empowered. They love to learn about their bodies, their own brain, and they love to feel trusted and empowered. And children need digital defense skills. Mm. So that's what you're doing. You're giving them these skills at an early age because you just do not know when they're going to be exposed to porn and by whom but you need to open up that conversation. Um, one mother told me that she had dropped her kids off to play with a friend. And when she went to pick them up, they were on the lawn and the little girl was showing her two little girls um, something on a phone. And this is before she was worried about porn or anything. And the girls get in the car and she goes, oh, what was she showing you on her phone? And they looked at each other and they said, oh, it was a My Little Pony video. Mm. But after she read the book to them, they said, Mom, it wasn't a My Little Pony. It was pornography. She showed us pornography. Right. And um, they just didn't even have the vocabulary, so they lied. So we need to give kids the vocabulary, the permission to talk to us. We need to make sure they know we're a safe person, that we're not going to freak out, um, that this can become a normal part of a conversation about safety because there's all kinds of safety. We teach our kids physical safety, right? Um, and sexual safety and mental safety, you know, all these kinds of safety. And we need to teach them about safety from pornography. Um, when you think about it, uh, you look at an eight-year-old child today, well, probably not going to get into cigarettes, mm -hmm. probably not going to get into alcohol or hard drugs right now. Uh, but what is the addictive thing that they can get? Yeah. They can get into porn through yeah. any device, game, console, you know, Kindle, uh, what have you. And, and uh, that's the one thing the kids can get into that's so addictive. Yeah, that's for sure. It's so prevalent. We can start these conversations, give them vocabulary and help them. That's right. And we got to mentor them. And I love that you're saying that parents have tried the cross your fingers plan for so long. <laughs> it's, it's so true. That's well put. I remember I was probably 12, maybe 11 or 12. I think I saw porn at 11 and this happened after that where my dad took me camping and he wanted to have a, a I mean, we don't go camping. It was like one time in my life that he took me camping. He just wanted to teach me about man stuff, I guess. And, um, and so he talked to me about wet dreams though. And he was telling me what happens because I was getting older and becoming a teenager and 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 uh and he shared his experience when he started experiencing them when he was young and that, and I said to him oh is that that white stuff that comes out and I said that because I already knew I'd already seen it in pornography and I hadn't experienced it myself but I'd seen it in porn and so I already knew he was thinking man I'm doing the right thing but 
it could have been earlier. And back in that generation, I mean, parents didn't know. I mean, now it's so prevalent and parents are more on it. But my dad was trying his best. But what he did do was he was vulnerable and he shared his story with me. And so I was able to then realize, like, okay, my dad experienced this. He went through it. And I'm curious, when you talk about um, parents being safe, that the kids need to know that, that their parents are safe, I'm curious how you advise parents to share about their own story and how much to share and how to be vulnerable so that that creates that connection. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, we don't need to share all the details of our stories when they're young, but I have talked with therapists about this, you know, should a parent who has struggled with pornography share that with their children, or maybe even is currently struggling with pornography and kids know when there's something wrong, Mm -hmm. they feel it. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to hide an addiction from a child because there are things that happen. There are, um, you know, a, a person with an addiction suffers in many ways and there, there's consequences for that. So, and kids can feel it. So my best advice and the best advice from the therapist I've talked to is that, um, yeah, opening up and telling your child a limited amount of information so that they can feel like, okay, we're both human and we are struggling, you know, in a world that um, is difficult. Uh, I mean, when you think of all the sexual cues coming at kids uh, from every corner of media, it's, it, is, it is hard, especially once you've sensitized your brain and then hormones sensitize your brain for that. So I would say that um, sharing is not going to be a bad thing as long as you know you, you keep it age appropriate. The other thing I would say is to um, the best way you know you can help your child is if if you're struggling is to do your own work mm. and um, to get you know get help. And then let your child know that, you know, mommy or daddy, you know, is, is struggling. I've had therapists tell me that they, their clients have used um, good pictures, bad pictures to tell their child, mm-hmm. well, this is something I want you to avoid, but this is something, unfortunately, that I had a problem with and I'm working on it. I'm still working on it. So I feel like, you know, the truth used with good judgment is always the best route. Mm. And that goes with everything that I've seen too in studies and research. And there's a thought that says that, you know, if you, if you, if your kid knows that you struggle, then they might struggle too, but it's actually the opposite because it creates that connection. And some people say that porn's a intimacy disorder and we don't feel connected. And so right. we go to porn, but if you feel connected with your parents, all, the, all of the studies backs up with what you're saying. And so, yeah. And a lot of kids go to porn because they're using it to do something for them. So they're hiring it to do mm. a job for them. Mm. And I did a study with this a couple of years ago. We talked to 10 people who said they had been or were addicted to porn. And we tried to figure out like why they were going to porn. And we actually identified several jobs they were hiring porn to do. And uh, one of them is this, you know, maybe I'm lonely. Maybe I'm feeling sad. Well, I'm going to go 
um, use porn and that is going to quickly distract me. Yeah. Right. And, and it's effective in the short term, but then it gets you into a bigger problem. It's, it's the same way that, you know, when people, um, I've had a couple of times in my life when I've had very you know tragic and sad things happen. And I was always glad that I didn't go to alcohol to numb myself out, uh, because that's a pathway to alcoholism. Mm. Um, a pathway that some of my family members have taken. And so I feel like porn can be used in the same way with kids. And it is, um, so if we can help them, this kind of goes into a direction of, you know, emotional resilience, but if we can help them deal with their negative feelings in positive and healthy ways, uh, we can help addiction proof them from porn and from other, other things. That could take, we could do a whole podcast. Oh, that's a very interesting and important conversation. Um, But I mean, you're talking about how we can create kind of that addiction proof for our kids. Um, Now, a lot of parents, like if they're listening to this, maybe this is something that's new to them, or maybe they're starting to see some signs. But I know that addiction is one of these dirty words, right? Where we we think it's such a, a dangerous thing, and it is. But what are some ways that, you know, in the developmental stages of children, kids, that some of these things start to come out that they, how, how can it harm our kids? In, in other ways, we understand the addiction aspect, but relationally or being able to, like you said, have resiliency in life, um, emotions, how can this harm our kids? Because sometimes I think we just think it's this, this one little thing, but what are some other things you've seen? Well, what I've seen, what I believe is that it, it stunts a child emotionally, uh, having a you know, going to pornography um, as your go-to, you know, that's your tool. <laughs> that's your tool to get out of any a negative uh, situation, any emotional situation. You don't want to feel it. You're going to go to porn because that's very, you know, quick uh, distraction. And, but it, then it, then it leads to addiction because anytime your brain figures out, you know, um, I mean, we could talk about the whole cycle of addiction, but it really, from what I have learned, addictions begin because you're using the substance or the experience, you know, to deal with negative behaviors. You're teaching your brain to go to that every time you have, you know, a threat, um, which is like a negative emotion. And, um, and then it just turns into a cycle and once your brain gets fully convinced that that's it, it's difficult to undo that and to retrain your brain uh, because it's become very, um, it's become a big part of that that uh, thinking brain, I mean, that feeling brain, which is instinctive. So, um, but as far as hurting uh, children in other ways, I feel like it, it stunts kids emotionally. Um, it teaches them a, a, toxic version of sex. So how are you going to have intimacy in sex if you really have been taught to believe it's a performance and it's it should include violence like gagging, like hair pulling, like um, you know, a lot of other degraded acts, uh choking, etc. and you know, if you have taught your brain that that's what sex is all about, and then you try to have an intimate, loving relationship with somebody, 
it's very difficult, you know, uh, you, you know, you are, you've taught your brain, you know, I used, to, uh, when I talked to teenagers, I'm like, if you want to play football, would you hire, you know, a baseball coach? No. Right. If you want to play the violin really well, would you hire a cello teacher? No. Well, if you want to have a great sex life, you don't want to hire porn to teach you about sex. It's going to give you a toxic version and take you in the opposite direction. So it's about, it's about helping our children so that porn does not hijack their sexual template. Their sexual template is the expectations that they have. And there are so many studies that show that pornography has actually lowered the marriage rate. There was a study done in Germany that people aren't getting married and they found such a strong correlation with porn use that they actually in the paper said, we believe this is causal, that it's causing, not just linked in a correlation, but that it's causing um, young men, young women to uh, just have sex with themselves, basically. And it's a solo sport. And why do I need to get married? Because then I have to deal with another person with their own wants and needs. And that's messy, you know, and then I have to think about somebody else and not just me. See, porn turns a person into themselves. They become more self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about my pleasure and my arousal. And then when things get boring, I have to find out and seek out more extreme porn, novel porn. And that's the thing about the internet porn is that you will never get through all the novelty and your brain rewards novelty, dumps the dopamine onto your brain. So there's always something new that you can be chasing for that arousal, but it, you know, it's, it's harder and harder uh, to get aroused until you find new, newer stuff. And then it can affect you physically, your sexual function, and on and on and on. Yeah. And on and Why on. Why don't we teach kids to avoid it? It's <laughs> oh, going to hurt total. them. We need to teach them to avoid all of this bad stuff. And then, you know what? Then they have a real choice, yeah. right? Now, doesn't mean their choice is taken away. They can still choose it. But it means they know now the consequences. You've warned them, and they have the full ability to make their own choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've heard of people just thinking, why would I get married? I can just get a sex doll. It's not even porn, but right. they just have their sex doll. Oh, <laughs> like, totally. What, what a This life. inward focus. Like, I, I mean, I think we were talking about um, a few, a few co- a conference we did. Um, there there was an Italian study, actually, so we're talking about studies, Kristen, but uh, causal, uh, they, they found 18, 19-year-old males that had ED, and that's rising. They found a causal kind of um, reason for that to link to porn. Um, so this is an 18, 19 year old yeah. having ED, right? So yeah. this is what we're facing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy because, and it, yeah, it's just exploded. The, the rate of erectile dysfunction has just exploded and porn is, you know, definitely a big part of that. Um, I think every 14 year old boy should know this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they yet- should know this and. And with, then they may then they have more information. Maybe maybe they have more motivation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. And porn-induced erectile dysfunction is different than erectile dysfunction normally because people that are older and they take Viagra and pills that's that's a that, physiological. It's a thing. physiological yeah. thing. Yeah. But porn is in the porn-induced a, ED is in the brain, yeah. and those pills don't even work the same. You need a yeah. li- literal rewiring of the brain. Yeah. 
It's wild. Yeah, it's a vascular problem. It's a vascular problem. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's saying that, oh, you you may have heart disease. You may, you know, you're older and you, but, you know, the, the porn-induced erectile dysfunction is a, it's a neurological <laughs> problem in a sense, right? right. It's, a, it's a brain problem and you can recover from it. Most yeah. people, yeah. if they do the work and they get out of their addiction. That's right. You can for sure. I'm curious. You're talking about how porn affects kids and, and I'm curious from what you know, how you can coach parents in looking for signs. Um, there was a story lately, just a couple of weeks ago, a dad called me cause he, him and his wife were talking, why is our why is our son like this? He's changed lately. And the dad said, I think he's watching porn. And he went and they had a chat that night and the kid confessed. And so it's great because they can get on it. But there's different ways or different behaviors that porn causes where parents can watch out for that. And so can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, I can. So now we know that that kids are can be moody in their teenage years and you know, um, they have some difficulty sometimes handling their emotions, all of that. That's normal. But um, some of the things that happen is the child becomes angry, very angry. Um, they like to spend a lot of time in their room or in the bathroom. So if you notice your kid all of a sudden taking really long showers um, and they've taken their phone in the bathroom, uh, I've heard of uh, kids that will go in the bathroom turn on the shower as if they're taking a shower and then just watch porn for a half an hour. And that's a waste of water, but <laughs> it's also <laughs> a sign that, you know, you should think about something like this. Um, if they just want to be alone, if they don't want to do stuff with the family anymore, if they had a kind of a personality, suddenly a, a little bit of a shift or a change um, again, it doesn't mean they're watching porn, but all these things start to add up. And I believe we have an article on Defend Young Minds about, you know, seven, it's seven um, signs that your child may be watching mm. pornography. Um, but all of these signs are, are not good. Now, it doesn't mean that just because they don't exhibit any of these signs that they're you know, not, not watching porn. But, they're, but um, kids get angry. Yeah. They, they um, want to be alone, isolated and um, try to take their device away and you will get the biggest, biggest hissy fit. Um, and then you can start to see that it's not just, um, they're not, and they're not a bad kid, but this all follows from the brain becoming, you know, like dependent. When your brain gets addicted to something, it is now completely convinced that you need it for your survival. It's on that level. And so if your brain feels like you need your device and porn for your survival, if it's taken away, there's going to be a huge reaction. Yeah, very true. So those are a few of the signs. Yeah. And what I'm picking up on and there. Also, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kristen. Yeah. Also, just maybe more sexualized talk, mm. more sexualized uh, jokes even. Um, that's also could be a sign. Yeah. Yeah. These are great signs to look out for. And what I was, what we're picking up on is, um, you know, there is a place for having some rules as a parent, but if you, you know, divest yourself of any relationship in that, so it's just rules, no relationship. Um, often 
that doesn't work, right? Because the rules are going to respond and react to that in, in very, you know, often sometimes drastic ways as kids and teenagers. Um, so bringing those two together uh, is kind of what I'm picking up on with you. But, you know, it's so difficult in these day, this day and age with digital uh, technology the way it is. Kids are plugged into that for their social structures and their community often. So as parents, what are some things that can be done to kind of have that rules and relationship aspect, be able to explain to them, but then you do have some firm boundaries for them that protect them. Cause this is a difficult thing. It's exploded in the past, even five years to the point where this is the world that they're living in. So, you know, you said, like you said, you set a rule for that. They're going to respond and react to that. And cause Hey, that's where my friends are. That's where I connect to people. So how do we, how do we do this? How do we have this conversation and, and build that relationship so that they, there's some trust built there. That's great. Well, that definitely is the goal. And the earlier you start, the better. Here are just a couple of tips. One, never give your kid a device. Give them access to a device. Don't even let them buy the device themselves. I I wouldn't because you want to own that device because legally you're actually liable for that. Uh, So you want to own it and you want to give your child access based upon your rules um, for using it. Now, it doesn't say that you can't bring your child in on, you know, developing these rules as they get older. Um, But access, not ownership, I would say is one of the first things. And then continual talks. Maybe you're going to have a um, Tech Talk Tuesday or continually talking about, you know, how to, and and we actually have, and that, that kind of leads to, you know, when should a child have a smartphone and access to this, you know, unfettered access to the internet. Um, Definitely we have a guide uh, on our website that you can download. um, And it's like 10 questions that you can ask yourself um, to gauge whether your child is ready to own that kind of a smartphone. Um, And, uh, let's see what else we are talking about, you know, having that relationship. I'm, uh, I've done some study in prevention science and what they found out to lower the risk of, well, it was done for lowering risk of like alcohol and drug abuse, but I think it really pertains across the board. And so you need to have a warm a bond, a good relationship. So that is foundational, but also you need to have rules. So they came up with these four steps, a formula for creating a child that is, um, you know, less at risk, right? For these dangerous behaviors, establish a warm bond. Number two, establish the rules or the guidelines, right? Monitor the child so that you don't just, set up a bunch of rules, put the thing on the refrigerator. You've got to monitor their behavior. And when they, you know, break one of the rules, you need to give them a consequence. When they keep the rules, you need to reward them intermittently. And um, if you do that, and it sounds so simple, but if you do those four things, which is establish a warm bond, establish rules and guidelines, monitor how your child keeps those guidelines, and then either reward or give them consequences in a consistent fashion, your child is going to be 
much less at risk for all kinds of, you know, uh, harmful behaviors. But I really believe that that also works for, you know, helping your child um, deal with the devices and deal with the exposure to the internet. Um, and it's true, these kids get very socialized. On these devices, I again would make sure that you are, you know, have a way to monitor, digitally monitor um, what they're doing. There's, it's, the technology is catching up and I do think that uh, shortly we'll have the ability, but right now, you may have a filter put on, but that filter cannot follow that child into an app. Mm. And these kids know how to get, like, I know how to go on Google Maps and hover over, you know, the uh, capital where Pornhub is and then um, get the link. And once I get Pornhub's link through Google, then I'm off to the races and nobody even knows that I snuck in that way. So there's just lots of tricky ways. And um, that's why I always say you need an internal filter. Kids need an internal filter so that they want to avoid pornography and they know why um, and not just that it's you telling them. Yeah, that's great. I I remember when I was a teenager, my parents would have rules or uh, maybe there'd be some monitoring stuff on on the computer. For me, that was just a challenge because <laughs> I didn't have any understanding of why porn was harmful to me. Um, and then, of course, my, my friends and whatnot, there, we weren't having those conversations is how do you get it? And, you know, so my parents, um, I love my parents, but at this time, they, they obviously didn't have that understanding because no one was coaching them, no one was helping them to know how to have that relationship bond, that warm bond uh, about talking about these things. Because for me, it was just a challenge to be overcome. How do I get around their filters? How do I do this so they don't know? And um, so for me, that's what it was. And so I love what you're saying is, is building that, that conversational aspect of, Hey, come talk to me about this. Let's talk about this. Why is this bad? Instead of this is bad. Um, and, and, and kind of going that, that approach. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Kristen, um, have you seen this? Cause so in, in the church world, we've had kind of the spectrum in our response to sex porn. We had the purity, purity culture, which went to one extreme, had a lot of rules. And then you have the other end, which is no rules, but just explore this, right? So, and then, and then more, more kind of um, a misunderstanding of grace, right? So you have the, those two kind of end of the spectrum and, and both have been very harmful. But in particular, I grew up in the purity culture as a kid where you rules, 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 and you felt a lot of shame, a lot of guilt based on that was based on performance. Um, where do you think we can kind of land uh, in this to kind of, I mean, there, there, there's pros and cons to both ends, but how do we kind of land in a more healthy way here? I love that question because we, we've actually explored this on Defend Young Minds where we talk about shame and we talk about the fact that, you know, why even good kids get pulled into porn, right? It's not about whether they're good or bad. It's they're human, mm-hmm. right? And it's a biological thing that of course, many of them are going to respond in a biological way. Uh, we are wired to, to be aroused by nudity. And, and so um, I love this question because that's why I like the approach of, of kind of going in, in a more scientific, you know, this is how you are, this is how you're built, this is how you're wired, and there are good reasons why you're wired this way. Uh, but this is how pornography 
can exploit that good thing, right? Can exploit those, that part of you and twist it um, and, and lead you into, you know, something that's going to be really harmful. So I think that parents, you know, you know, I, I understand you know, there, there are these two, like you said, two extremes. And I, I'm not going to tell parents, like, I don't tell parents, you know, what to believe as far as their faith traditions and their beliefs. Um, but when you have a belief, I think you need to back it up with why, you know, if you're talking about, you know, a commandment of God, why God would institute that commandment? Why would he do that? Let's explore that. And then you can give your kids a foundation of why that's important and not that it's just a fence to jump over, right? Yeah. And do what you want. So um, when kids begin to be able to judge and see why and, you know, why this would harm me. And um, I have an article on like, I think it's six or seven ways that conversations that you need to have about, you know, the harms of pornography and how it takes sex and takes it in the wrong direction. It's like a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit of sex, of healthy sex. So if you can explain this to children and let them see it, you can persuade them because in the end, you have to persuade them. It's not going to be a uh, do it because I said so thing. They have options. They can sneak onto things. If you think your kid can't get access to porn because you've locked everything down, the minute they walk out your door, they can get access to porn. Mm -hmm. You're on the school bus, in the library. They may have a burner phone. I mean, these kids are smart. And they can get access to it. The best thing you can do is persuade them so they can build their own internal filter. Yeah, that's right. And I love that you emphasize that internal filter because it's so important and the connection between a parent and the child and just love so much of what you're doing. And this has been so good and a joy to talk to you because we've, we've used your resources for so long at our events and, and, uh, and so it's just an honor to talk to you and we're so thankful for what you're doing and the impact that you're making all around the world way more than you could even understand or that we could understand. And it's so cool that, uh, that that's happening. And so thank you again for being with us and uh, we look forward to getting this out and for parents to take advantage of your resources at defendyoungminds.com. Thank you so much. I think that I just want to end by saying you can do it parents. Uh, it's not as hard as you think once you get started. And it will build trust with your child. I've had so many stories of, of kids that, like your nephew, they read the book, they, they encounter a situation, and then uh, they come and talk to the parent because they have the vocabulary. They understand that this is an expectation and it's okay and they're not going to get in trouble. And then they can the parent can help them process it. And we didn't talk about, um, what to do with those memories, but that's another part of the book that's really important. Like, how does that child deal with those memories of pornography when they keep coming back? How does he neutral or she neutralize them? So all of these things are so important to, to children, giving them digital defense skills. 
thank you so much. I've loved talking with you today. Mm. Well, all that said, everybody listening, there's more to this conversation. So you got to go get her books <laughs> and uh, check out all that she has at Defend Young Minds. Highly recommend her, her resources, the, what her team's doing. And um, so thanks everybody for listening today. Spread the word, get this out. I mean, share this one with maybe your your youth pastor, your children's pastor, people that uh, teach in this area and this space, um, and parents as well. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to get these things out there and even make people like Kristen known um, in, as far as someone who's helping. So thanks, everybody. Bless you, and we'll check in with you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.